0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. And I am very excited about your selection as we go back into the archives and do all of Conception's uh, discography, a band that I I have been a fan of for many, many decades at this point. Chris, how are you, my man? Really good. Uh, Very excited to talk about Conception. And uh,
1: my goal was met in becoming a a bigger fan of this band through uh, spending two weeks listening to all their stuff. So uh, mission
0: accomplished. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Um, It's funny. This is a band which I've really, really enjoyed throughout my my exposure. And I remember my first, I remember my first, and I remember, um, you know, kind of how, how I've felt about these albums back then and how I feel about them now. And it's going to be a very interesting conversation. But before we get there, I feel like there was so much stuff that came out this week. I know we can't get to all of it, but did you hear anything that was particularly interesting to you?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, as always, just another slew of, of singles uh, just came flying out. Um, I uh, I especially enjoyed um, Metalite out of pretty much out of nowhere just dropped a video and um and a song that you can get on itunes and spotify and wherever else of uh their cover of sonata artica's full moon which we discussed um when we talked about sonata artica's ecliptica album and um it is so cool to hear uh, a sonata artica song sung by uh, a female vocalist it, it, i think it sounded really good i i enjoyed the hell out of that um Cover. So I, I thought that was really cool. I assume it's not going to be um, on any full length album or something. It's probably going to be similar to when they covered Stradivarius' Hunting High and Low and, and it just be a, a standalone single. Did you get a chance to listen to it? I
0: did. And what was interesting to me is like, I, I just love when bands out of nowhere just drop songs that nobody was expecting, nobody knew it was being recorded. And I thought they did a really nice job with it. Um, they obviously have an affinity for that. Finish power metal. I don't know if they're going to do a secrecy cover anytime soon. Um, but maybe if they listen to the podcast, maybe they'll be inspired. But uh, yeah, they did a nice job with it. And it was, uh, like I said, completely out of nowhere.
1: I, I would like to see secrecy do a secrecy cover. Um, <laughs>
0: they, they're they're 15 years overdue, I think.
1: Hey, they liked our post on Facebook, though. So maybe um, or or in, no, I think it was Facebook. So uh, maybe there's somebody still paying attention over at the secrecy <laughs> camp.
0: There you go. Um, I'll tell you, I'm sure there's other things you're going to get to, but I I was blown away by an album. I listened to it twice this week. I have never heard a note from Sweden's Dark Funeral. They're a black metal band. They've been around since 1993. Their first album came out in 1996. I've never heard a note from these guys, but somebody said you got to go check out the new album, We Are the Apocalypse. And I have to be honest with you, I really enjoyed it. And I think it's because I think the vocalist – it's in that black metal style, but you can actually understand what he's saying and, and the riffs were really good and it was different. I actually enjoyed it. And as of right now, I I think it may wind up in the top 50. I don't think it's going to be in the top 10, but it will probably be in the top 50. I I really enjoyed this album. I will post a track this week just so other people can kind of check it out. But there were a couple of standout tracks that made this thing really, really interesting to say the least. Cool. Um,
1: Another single that got dropped uh, this week was Dynasty. Uh, they released a single called Yours, and this is the third single released in the last... Uh, I want to say they started dropping singles almost two years ago for their upcoming album, and it's, it's finally going to come out the uh, towards the end of this year. Um, so looking forward to their next album. It's always exciting um, whenever they release new material because they're just... I think they're becoming one of those bands we talk about that always has a consistent release to look forward to. And uh, I I guess I'll just mention this one kind of came as a surprise to me um, just because I wasn't aware that there was anything planned, but um, Fozzy dropped a new single called I Still Burn, and uh, that's going to be on their upcoming Boombox album. And much like Dynasty, they also had uh, two singles that were already released over the last year or two um, and this is the third, um, so that's another album that, um, you know, I'm not a diehard Fozzie fan by any stretch, but I always do grab their um, albums whenever they come out, and there's always a handful of tracks that I always tend to really enjoy, so i um, looking forward to to hearing what Chris
0: Jericho uh,
1: has in store for us uh, on the next Fozzie album. Uh,
0: that song, Judas, went over so well. I, I would be hard-pressed to think that they're going to top that, not that it was something I particularly enjoyed, but I know a lot of people really enjoyed that. So I, I think it will be interesting. I happened to check that Dynasty album is due out on August 26th, so it'll be out before the end of the summer. But you, there's been a build for this thing for what seems like forever. Right? You make a really good point. It's When it finally comes out, I think it'll be uh, very interesting. They are quite consistent. I, I, I do still think that Renatus is probably their best album Um hands down although i did really enjoy the last one as well and these singles sound good so they're they're really kind of hitting a groove right now in my opinion
1: i have a uh, i have a little fact that i think is going to blow your your mind but um did you know that the Fozzie judas video
0: on youtube has 55 million views 55 million views yeah no that's that's That is wild. That is – I mean I I don't know what the pay ratio is on YouTube, but I know a lot of those YouTube uh, child stars or like those YouTube personalities make a lot of money when they get over like a million views or something like that. 55 million is a number that I just can't even appreciate. I don't know that I would ever watch it a second time. So God bless the people that are hitting refresh on that.
1: Yeah, and we're talking about a band that's not like playing – arenas or anything like that. You know, Fozzie's still kind of what I would consider like a club metal band. Um, But I I guess that tie in with wrestling and and that being his entrance in AEW and everybody singing along to it probably has something to do with it. But I I just was very impressed
0: by that number. That is a huge number. And I guess the question is, are there any other songs that have even a million views. Like, are people checking out the other stuff, or are they just trying to learn the words to the one song? That would be my question.
2: No, I'm serious. Um, like,
0: I, I just—it's—it's it's crazy. I, I have—I have no idea what their popularity actually, is. Actually, I
1: mean, I'm looking through. Like, so "Scene" is a song that's going to be on the upcoming album as well, and so that dropped nine months ago. That has two point seven wow. million. Um Painless from four years ago has ten million. So, wow. yeah, so they'll be headlining I mean, Vakin in about six months
0: is what you're telling me
1: yeah i mean there's definitely a following here i don't know how many of them are are wrestling fans there's a song i really like uh from nine years ago called sandpaper which um includes m shadows from uh avenge sevenfold really good song that has four and a half million views um so yeah i mean it's
0: but yet they're playing clubs like you said i you know they're not they're not doing arena tours which with these kinds of numbers you would think they'd be playing like 8000 seat arenas you'd think yeah Th-
1: this is like mostly newer like uh, releases in the last 3 years so i'm wondering if um maybe the Judas effect if you will um <laughs> you know just kind of like got people interested in uh in the band because like they're like the song um it looks like this was only posted 11 months ago but this is a, a much older song um enemy uh only has 389,000 views only I say but um you know Trumped only by our Man War em- episode I guess <laughs> um yeah so yeah I don't know how we went down the rabbit hole on Fozzy but um I, I just thought that was really interesting cuz um I was like thinking to myself like yeah, doesn't Judas have a lot of YouTube views? And I, I didn't realize it was fifty five million. That's
0: that's pretty impressive. Incredible. I I'm 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 impressed. Um, I'm sure this will have fifty five million very soon as well. But you know we'll we'll give it a little bit of time. Um, before uh, before we before we uh, leave, I'll just say that uh, one other album of no James Labrie. Uh, he dropped a single for his new um, solo album, which is due out on May twentieth. The album is going to be called Beautiful Shade of Gray. Uh, I know that you were very, very excited because he's collaborating with one of your favorite musicians from Eden's Curse. What did you think of the new single, Devil and Drag? Uh, not what I expected, but in a good way. Um, just kind
1: of had a very, had like a 70s prog rock vibe to it, which is interesting. And I, listen, I, I'm at the front of the line of people to give flack to James LeBrie as a live performer. But I mean, they, he always sounds great uh, in the studio. Like I always look forward to hearing... Like I have no issue with Dream Theater studio material or or any of his solo stuff. In fact, I I rather enjoyed his last solo album, which was came out a while ago. Um, so it'll be interesting. But I'm a big fan of Paul Logue of, of Eden's Curse, and uh, so I'm I'm wondering if this collaboration. It looks like they co-wrote the single "Devil and Drag," so um, I don't know if he has a lot of writing credits on this album. But um, if it means that it's going to be kind of um, a little bit more key driven the way that Eden's curse kind of is then um that'd be that'd be cool with me but I'm I'm definitely very curious to see how this
0: album is it's going to be called beautiful shade of gray yeah I no no question uh, no question about it um that being said as, as much as I enjoyed a lot of this stuff that we just talked about I spent the vast majority of my leak when I wasn't listening to dark funeral I was listening to conception so um I am really, really excited for this, and I think that you made an excellent choice just to set the stage a little bit. They are one of the uh, headliners for Prog Power this year. The show takes place the first week in June. I think they're playing on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken, and I, are, think, yes. I think they go on last, if I'm also yep. not mistaken. So um, at the end of this, we actually, I, I think, did something interesting in the sense that we kind of listened to all their stuff, and we came up with a set list for the band that we would like them to play, kind of our dream set list. So we'll we'll compare those notes, uh, I guess, a little bit towards the end. But before we kind of walk through the discography, and I'm sure we won't go song by song. There's just so much here. Uh, and, and I'll kind of paint some history where, where I can. I, I really am curious, w- when was the first time you heard them? And, and was it probably from Ralph's tape back in 1997? I That would have to be my guess. Well,
1: it's it actually isn't. And, and it's kind of funny um, so what happened was, uh, you know, Ralph had made that original tape for me, and um I the tape somehow got taped over or lost or something, and I had the liner you know, that Ralph wrote with his chicken scratch handwriting,
0: which I still have to this day, by the way. I, he is a doctor. I, so it actually adds up because we didn't know it when we were 15, but now it makes sense. Yeah.
1: I mean, I could probably walk into a, a drugstore and get a prescription for Ambien with uh, <laughs> my old liner notes from 1997. But um, so, you know, sidebar, I, I probably disposed of like all of my old cassette tapes, but I kept all those liner notes. I remember printing like custom liner notes using Microsoft Publisher and a Dot Matrix printer, and uh, just to have my like liner notes for my cassettes, I saved all of those because that I just thought that was kind of a cool thing to have, and I would eventually um, transfer all those playlists to iTunes. I still have them to this day. But um, anyway, uh, I was um, I was getting ready to make you know another mix, like my first mixtape, and you know lo and behold ralph left his book of cds in my like in my bedroom i think it was just sitting on my bed and it was like light shine from it it was like uh indiana jones finding the the ark of the covenant and <laughs> and it was like so overwhelming because at the time i probably owned about seven <laughs> metal cds if if that and meanwhile here's like this book of of Things that I'm sure like his cousin Pat got for him or or suggested. I mean, it was the Holy Grail for us in 1997. And and I just remember them talking about conception. So I pop in parallel minds and, uh, and then all of a sudden my mind is just blown. Water Confines comes on and I'm just like, holy shit, this is incredible. So um, I would go on to make what I would call... Uh, volume two. Ralph is is was uh, unknowingly uh, responsible for for volume one, but uh, I would go on to make um, volume two, and the whole first side of volume two was um, using CDs that was in Ralph's. Book So I, I had used Eternity X for the first time because uh, he had that CD and I did not. And Water Confines was on there. I added um, Crash and Burn from the Seventh Sign, Yngwie Malmsteen album. Um, so just kind of picking a few things from albums I didn't have at the time um, to make that tape. And that, that was one of them. And that was just kind of the beginning for me. And and it wasn't until – um really wasn't until college where I ordered – a copy of um parallel minds from i think the noise records mailing thing like they have those little ad- ads in the album like in in the liner notes and i remember ordering that and sabotage's uh live 1994 in japan album and,
0: exceptionally rare albums i might add like these yeah, these things have been like very I hard to come own, by
1: i don't own um any, I only own Parallel Minds. Um, no kidding. And you can't get the other the other three of the first four albums anywhere. Um, as far as like streaming goes, I don't know who holds the rights to them, but like, it, I really wanted to like share our playlists, and, and we just can't. I mean, we could post it, but um, the music is not online anywhere, um, which is crazy to me in this day and age. But. Uh, so it wasn't until, like, uh, fast-forwarding a little bit, like, there were songs that, that made their way to me mostly through Mike. Um, and it was just, like, whatever I could find on Napster. And even then, it was hard to find. Uh, cons- like, I would just find random tracks. And the songs that I would end up having were um, Parallel Minds, the, the title track from the album, Um, And then Under a Morning Star, which was the opening track on In Your Multitude, and then Hand on Heart, which was the... Japanese bonus track on
0: flow like that, of is all, the re- that is like the most random assortment of songs I I, I can't get over this like it's, yeah and I didn't I
1: didn't even know that hand on heart was a bonus track until many years later so eventually I would get um I get a hold of, of the rest of the the albums and I kind of listened to them here and there and there were certain songs that kind of um got onto my radar through the years but it wasn't really until this week that i really listened to in your multitude um really listened to the last sunset Um, i was more familiar with flow and parallel minds because i owned parallel minds and then you know i've purchased all of the new stuff since they the ep and the single and the full-length album and then they came out with a bunch of um live tracks and they re-recorded roll the fire and there's a new single called monument of time we'll talk about all that stuff but yeah so that's kind of my
0: history of being a fan I about you? have to assume that my first listen to these guys was around the same time. I don't exactly remember what the first like note that I heard was, but it, I, I think it was water confines and roll the fire. Um, That intro to parallel minds really, I think was kind of set the stage for me. And, and even though flow was like very much, it had come out, right? Cause that, that flow comes out April 1st of 1997. So flow was out when I really started hearing conception for the first time, but I was listening to the album from four years prior. And I never, I, I guess as like a young fan, I loved that the heavy riffs and the speed of, of parallel minds. And I always, you know, in our little circle, nobody really paid as much attention to flow because it was a serious change in direction from the, from just four years prior Obviously, within your multitude, kind of sandwiched uh, in the middle. Um, But what I do remember vividly is not being able to get my hands on any of these discs. So I think I went the eBay route around like 1999 or something like that. And I wound up buying all of these albums except for one, which I'll get to when we get there. But all these albums used on eBay. I got the Japanese pressing of flow with the bonus tracks. I I, I think I was able to get my hand on maybe one of these uh, using the the mail-in approach that you used as well. But in your multitude as well, I remember buying that on eBay because I could not find it anywhere. Um, And ironically, in in a used – I bring up Mr. Cheapos. That's where I got my copy of The Last Sunset. I was looking through their used stacks and somebody had sold a copy of The Last Sunset and I – paid a ridiculous amount of money for that album just because it's the completest in me. I had to hear what that first album was like. Um, that was, that was a trip into it and of itself. Uh, and, and then obviously the band would go by the wayside. You know, the flow would come out in 1997, but the band would basically break up in, 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 you know, in and around 1998 and, and nobody heard from them for years. We'll get to the history of that. I'm sure. But um, it's just a fascinating band, and, and they've they've their sound has evolved so much that you can almost say that they've been like two or three different bands along the way, even though they only have the five albums and an EP. It's just a really fascinating ride um, that this band has gone on going back to the early 90s when they formed until today. I was going to – I had every intention of going onto
1: eBay and buying the three albums that I did not own um, prior to recording this episode – it is insane how, first of all, how few are available and how much they cost. Um, the there is if you want to if you want to get the the noise records like pressing of Last Sunset, you can buy it now for fifty dollars. Wow! If you want a copy of the original, I don't know if you ever seen the original uh, Last Sunset. It's a different. Logo for the band, different cover art. You can buy that now for seventy-five dollars or one hundred dollars. Um, there is a signed vinyl version of the original, um, the original cover art, three hundred and sixty dollars from Spain. Wow! Uh, and then there's one here for thirty-three dollars from Germany. Another one, forty-four dollars from Germany for the uh, the Noise Records pressing. So um, I want to say Parallel Minds was not as rare um and that's the one that i actually do own although now like the cheapest one you're gonna get is 25 bucks from south korea wow Uh, somebody's selling somebody's selling um the original pressing for a hundred dollars um there's a japanese version um for 33 which actually is probably about what you would have paid at the time for a japanese version um so, yeah, I mean, like, it's just crazy. I really wanted to buy, have copies of these albums, especially because, I mean, I, I normally would have just purchased them on iTunes, but the fact that they just don't exist in a um, in a digital format. Um, you can buy the cassette tape of In Your Multitude for $50. Wow. South Korea, the cheapest. You can thing, buy
0: the cassette tape, but have no way to play it. Just there's, kind of two,
1: there's two copies of, CD copies of In Your Multitude on eBay currently, and the cheaper one's $90,
0: and the other one is $100. Um, and, and, and you know something? I guess there's still a high demand, because if it's not being released digitally, people can't hear this stuff unless they go through some other means.
1: Yep, and I'm looking, and it flow, $76 for the Japanese uh, album, $125. Um, and again, like just very few... Uh, very few copies just circulating at all, which I would explain the the asking price for these albums. So, um, you know, if I had a few hundred dollars to, to spare, I would just suck it up and buy them. But I just wasn't about to drop that kind of money on on these albums. So, you know, I will tell uh, I'll tell Tor when we speak to him uh, that. <laughs> I I plan on buying them when they are available at a reasonable price. Or I'll just, if I see him at Prog Power, I'll just hand him 80 bucks and just say, thanks, pal.
0: Yeah, right, right, it, it, and and enjoy the digital, uh, you know, whatever version that you actually have on your computer at this point. It's fascinating stuff. Um, just to go into the history a little bit, uh, the band has kind of was a little bit of a revolving door in those very very early days. Going back to 1989, um, they had different bass players, different drummers, a different singer. But the lineup that has been intact since basically 1991 is the same lineup that records with them today and plays live with them today. The keyboard player has changed a little bit over time. But Conception really is the four, quote-unquote, main guys. And and they're all phenomenal in their own way. Tor Aspi on guitar, um, one of the most underrated guitar players in the world. Roy Khan, who probably needs no introduction. This was his first... um exposure to the masses and he would obviously go on to to front conception for a number of years and i think what we would both consider their heyday uh on on bass arv heimdall on drums uh providing that real uh the the low section of, of these songs but you know they have such a rich sound and i think the most interesting thing about the band is i don't know who else i would compare them to The closest thing I would say is they have that kind of early 90s Queensryche vibe to them. But short of that, I really can't say that they sound much like anyone else. Conception kind of sounds like Conception. They started off doing a little bit more of the power metal stuff. They would quickly evolve into the more proggy side of things where they they remain today. But again, there's no other band that you can say sounds like Conception. Maybe Arc because of obviously the, the Torosby connection there, certain tracks in particular. But for the most part, Conception has a unique sound that nobody else has kind of adopted. Yeah,
1: I mean, even Camelot during the Con years, where Khan was co-writing songs, I mean, it was kind of like he kind of made his... He kind of like adopted what he was... What the Camelot sound would be and not... He didn't try to make it at least try to bring in the conception influence in a lot of ways there's a little bit i mean there's stuff that i think of even from like um maybe just because of the timing of like um a siege perilous that came out like the year after flow um maybe but yeah like i don't it is hard to compare this band to anybody else and one of the things that i was kind of um hit by when I was putting together my dream set list was that this is a band that excels at fast power metal type music, mid-tempo kind of prog stuff and also like really beautiful slow ballady type things. So like I, you'll see when we get to it, like that, I tried to sprinkle in a little bit of all three of those kind of styles. And I think that it really, it really sh- shows how well conception shines in, in all these different ways. And so um I don't know. I, I, I kicked myself in the ass for so many years uh, for not going to, um, I believe it was either prog power five or prog power six, where they prog had power their, six. It was 2006.
0: Yeah, I believe it was, uh, it was, yep. I, I'll get to that show, um, you know, kind of towards the end. What was interesting to me and, and, they do a very good job on their Facebook page of kind of going through the history of the band, putting up like posts, you know, going through the chronological history of, of, of conception. Apparently prior to Roy Khan joining the band in 1990, they came out with a demo album, which was, was apparently rooted in thrash metal. So I don't know if they changed their sound before the last sunset, but there's a demo out there with them sounding like a thrash band in 1990 I am dying to hear this. Thing. Oh, I just, I would love like, to hear that. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know how, I don't know how to get my hands on that po- little gem, but I have a feeling it's going to be uh, more than I can afford to pay for it. But I, uh, I would love to hear some of that early, early demo material, which probably sounds so different from the, you know, the material that I've been listening to for the last twenty-five years.
1: Yeah, uh, that would be. I mean, it, even just listening to the the progression of the band from the officially released stuff. I mean it's interesting how many different um, influences there are. I mean, um, I heard, with Last Sunset, I heard a lot of kind of Yngwie-ish kind of guitar. um, Like, I don't know what the word would be, but where it's like,
0: like that kind of thing. Yeah, like sweeps and arpeggios and all that stuff. And then like,
1: and then, but then there's like a lot of Spanish guitar, like acoustic Spanish guitar that's sprinkled throughout their discography, which I really... Like, um, you know, there's that, that, uh, bonus track Sundance from in your multitude. It was one of my favorite tracks from in your multitude. And it was like, I think it was like a bonus on a, on a, like a, a, like a vinyl version or something like that. But, um, I love the, that one has like a flamenco kind of influence to it. So that was really cool. Um, there's just, and then like, there's just the ballads, like silent crying and, and, you know, uh, cry and, and they have, there's just so many, I, I don't know. They're just, they're, they're really good at, at pretty much everything they do. Um, and then like, you know, a song like, um, and another thing that I find that's a really, um, kind of like a conception, uh, I don't want to say trope because trope Hallmark, has a negative connotation. Yeah. Hallmark, much better word is like just a really memorable riff to kick off a song, a song like Parallel Minds" or Water Confines. Like it just, you know, like that this song is going to kick your ass within three seconds. And I love that. And that's why that song Water Confines just grabbed me right away because it was just kind of like strap in. Cause we're going to just blow your nuts off right now. And, and that was, you know, I just, that what a perfect song to just be introduced to the band by because like especially at the time, that's what I wanted to hear music sound like. Conception probably ended up being a disappointment for me at first because everything didn't sound like that. And it would take, you know, 20 years for me to actually appreciate the band, you know, as as they were constructed. So
0: Yeah, listen, I I get it. Um, Parallel Minds being the first taste, I expected everything to sound like that. And when it didn't, I think it was a shock. I, I wasn't quite expecting what what they would become, but um, we'll get into it. I have a lot of a lot of comments on what you said, but I'll, I'll place them in when, when when we get to the uh, the album. Um, the last sunset, the debut, which we we referenced earlier, this album came out December thirteenth, nineteen ninety one. But I bet you didn't know this. It was recorded after about a month of rehearsals with Roy Khan. He joined the band, put his vocals down a month later. They released the album it was completely self-financed they did the mastering the photos the entire process was i believe like done by the band um and they even got some exposure from the british broadcasting company after the release but i don't know that it ever got them to the level that they necessarily um wanted or, or expected um they, they they gained some traction in the japanese market and, and other places in europe but this was really their first like experiment you know putting out putting out you know, music to the masses, but it did very well in Norway as well. And what's interesting to me is my issue with this album traditionally had always been the production. I always listened to it and said, Oh, the production isn't that great. The songs, there's some good ideas here. But I have to be honest, I was wrong. It actually sounds a lot better than I remember it sounding. Um, surprisingly so, for a self financed effort. And I was just wondering, as someone who may not be as familiar with that piece, did you have the same experience or did you say to yourself, this is pretty damn good for what was otherwise a low budget release in 1991?
1: Uh, it's a little bit more raw sounding than Parallel Minds, which was the follow up. But I thought it I didn't think it sounded out of place for 1991, mind you. And, and I would like to point out that we were nine years old when this album came out, which is mind boggling to me. Um but one thing I did notice I was actually in the car earlier sh- just shuffling conception like I- I've completely m- melted my brain on conception the last two weeks um but I did notice that when songs from last sunset came on that they the volume dropped considerably so maybe that's kind of what you're thinking of It's kind of maybe. that like I mean nano war sabotage late Halloween late 80s albums where for no discernible reason the volume was just lower than other albums It used to piss me off when I would make mixtapes and the volume on like, keeper of the seven keys was lower than the volume on handful of rain or whatever um drove me bananas and pissed me off in the car today too because I was like I'm gonna pump up this volume forget about it and then the next song is gonna come on it's gonna blow me off the road and I'm gonna drive into the YMCA
0: yes yes I I completely agree with you um it's it took some getting used to, but just listening to it in a vacuum, it sounds pretty good, like much, much better than a lot of other big budget releases at the time. And it kind of, it didn't feel like you were in this little tunnel with like four tracks. It felt like that there was a lot of stuff going on. And, and to the extent, to the extent that it sounded raw, maybe it's just the function of that thrashy sound that they were kind of starting to deviate, deviate from the year prior. Like it kind of makes sense. There's some good tunes on here and I, I won't say that any of them are like, my favorite 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 conception tunes but some of them are some some tracks really do stand out the title track and and one of the things i think i'm going to hit on a lot their title tracks are phenomenal and i don't know if it's like a conscious decision but the last sunset is an awesome awesome ballad and much like all the rest of their title tracks often one of my favorite tracks on the album that it's on um Again, I, I like, you, you, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said there's like the three buckets. Here you have building a force, which is that like fast, riffy, heavy, Intro song. You have the last sunset. That, that one is... really
1: gave me Ingve vibes. Oh yeah,
0: I to- totally agree with you. you have the ballad in the last sunset, and then you have a song like "Live to Survive," which is that mid-paced, crunchy sound, which is kind of like the third bucket, and that gave me a lot of Fate's Warning vibes for like, kind of like that the progier side of Fate's Warning, and and kind of as they were transitioning from a power metal band to a prog band, that's what that song reminded me of. Um, there's some interesting stuff on this disc. I, I don't think every single song is like necessarily the best. Um, but there's, there's some kind of good stuff. I hear a little bit of Watchtower, the band in another world. I hear 030366 from Stradivarius when oh, I listen I'm to Fairies dance. Sorry, sorry to that, hear that. Yeah. Well, with what, that, what, that crunchy bass sound and the drums behind it. Um, interesting album. Um, and something that I'm kind of, Warming up to over the years, and I definitely, definitely, definitely enjoyed it more this time around than I had in years past.
1: I was, I was, I think that you had lowered my expectations for this album to the point where I was like, I don't understand. This album's really good. Um, I love my favorite song on this album is probably War of Hate, just because it opens up with this back and forth between. And like a heavy electric riff and an acoustic Spanish guitar. Yes. Like it's so cool. I remember the first time I heard it, it, it grabbed my attention immediately because it was just such a cool dichotomy of those two sounds kind of like battling back and forth. And, and it's the song like really rocks all the way through. So uh, I will say if I had to pick a song, a favorite song from this album, this would be mine.
2: The
0: I agree with you. I think it's a really good song. I hear a lot of the Ingve sound there as well. And another track where he, it's kind of that dichotomy is going to be my track, which is Among the Gods. I just thought it was a really awesome way to end the album and a really good transition to what the next album would ultimately become.
2: Oh, face it now. You cannot wait.
0: I'm a sucker for that flamenco guitar. That's part of the reason why I love Arc as much as I, I do. And, and when people talk about like just like the great guitar players – Tor Osby never gets mentioned for whatever reason, but when you hear some of the stuff, I mention him all the time. Well, you're, you're, you're very <laughs> unique. And I, and, and I was joking, but, yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's just, it's incredible. He, he's so talented and, um, I don't think he gets the credit that he sometimes or otherwise should deserve based on some of the stuff on this stuff, but a good album. I'm curious to see what you'd recommend, uh, what you would rate it on a scale of one to 10.
1: Uh, I, I give it a 7.25, I would say. Um, it's probably on the lower end of, of conception albums for me and that just gives you an idea of where the lower end of conception is is in the low sevens I mean that's pretty much to me yeah I mean I think that's where I would go maybe I don't know Nah, you know what I, I I'm gonna say 7.5 uh, let me I'm gonna change my score as I've been want to do lately um yeah (laughs) 7.5 um it's it's very it's very solid um it's like you said i don't think there's any one song that really blows you out of the water like i said war of hate probably is my favorite um but just really solid i was expecting it to be not as good and it was actually a very pleasant surprise um and it was not i'm gonna say it's not my least favorite conception album
0: i'm I, I, I cannot say the same. I will say that if I if you had told me w- what would you rank this album going into the week, I would have said this is the lowest album. It's probably a five or a six for me. I think that with the repetition and just more of the appreciation that I do now, I will say it's a seven. But it is my least favorite of all of their albums. So again, I think it's a testament to the strength of the band. Uh, more more so than anything else, I just. I think as I've gotten older, I've fallen in love with that more modern proggy sound that they have. And this wasn't that. So it's never going to be in that rarefied air as some of the stuff that would come after. But for a debut album, I think you could do a lot worse. And to be honest with you, if I was listening to it at the time, if it was early 1992 and I got my hands on this, I would be craving more material because I would just want to hear more and more of their stuff. And it would be two years before they actually came out with Parallel Minds. That would be their follow-up effort. It came out in September of 1993. Uh, and what's interesting about this album, as I said, this was the first one that I heard straight through in its entirety. 10 tracks, 51 minutes and change in length. But the engineer on this album and the, and the, and the kind of like the mastermind behind, uh, I, I guess the sound, I, I did not realize this, but I, my understanding is that the, the Tommy Newton has a lot to do with uh, the sound on on this one. I, I know that he would become or get the credits on on Conception's Flow in 1997, but I, I believe he did have a hand in this one as well. I could be wrong, but it is interesting because you can hear an upgrade in terms of the way they employ different types of sound and keyboard patches throughout this whole thing. Uh, this this is a, a, a low key masterpiece.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if he was like kind of a, a guy that noise would use a lot. And, and noise records was like, they had some pretty like epic bands on their, their label. Um, you know, they don't exist anymore or do they? No, they, so they kind of, um, I think they melded into like BMG and Sanctuary and all that. So like noise records by name, um, doesn't exist anymore. But I mean, you know, you're talking about, you know, Halloween and Camelot and uh I, I, you know, I'm gonna dig into the uh the coffers here with uh Mercury rising and uh you know Skyclad. Um some of the names I haven't heard in a long time. You know, they had Wasp and uh Silent Force and Running Wild and Persuader, Morgana Lefay, just a lot of kind of uh you know names you'd recognize Dragon Force, I think initially gamma ray i remember having uh gamma ray and halloween albums from um noise records and oftentimes there would be like misprints i remember specifically this album had the 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 booklet had like the japanese um the japanese liner notes so like it had black on black in the liner notes for some reason, even though it wasn't on the album. And I had another disc from uh, Stradivarius that I think was released through noise or one of their sub- subsidiaries where the, it was like the U S um, packaging, but the disc itself was the Japanese version and it had two bonus tracks on it, which I was like, Holy shit. I got bonus tracks. Awesome. Um <laughs> That was, that was my takeaway from what Noise Records is all about. Tommy Newton and miss Prince. But, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, this, this was, uh, yeah, I agree with you. This album is fantastic. Um, I still get friggin' amped as hell when I hear Water Confines kick in. But then, you know, you go into like Roll the Fire, which I think is one of their best, like mid tempo tunes and, and something I'm really hoping we get to hear live. But, um, you know what I was going to say is after talking about Last Sunset, if you if you gave Last Sunset and Flow to somebody who'd never heard Conception, I'm sure the first thing they'd say is, "How the hell did they get from A to B in six and, years?" Yeah, but if you listened, and we'll we'll talk about it when you listen to Parallel Minds and In Your Multitude, you can kind of see that path to Flow, but it's jarring if you go from one all the way to the other in just seven years, or you know whatever, six seven years. It, the band sounds so different. Um, it just there's so much more polish uh, with, with flow. So um, I just think that's interesting. And so getting back to Parallel Minds, I feel like this is kind of the next, uh, you know, the next natural progression from their debut album.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Tor gets all the writing credits for the music. Roy Kahn does the lyrics and writes the lyrics for for all these songs. What's interesting is when this came out, they actually said that they had three albums worth of material when they went into the studio to record Parallel Minds. My question is, were the other two albums worth of material? Did any of that stuff ever see the light of day? Did that become in your multitude? I don't know the answer to these things and I'm dying to know because if they didn't, how cool would it be to hear like two CDs worth of like, parallel minds b-sides i would kill to hear that stuff much like the thrash demo this is something else i would love to hear just because of i mean this album you is a step up in every way in my opinion it's more cohesive it sounds better i think that the album the songs themselves are more memorable and and i would go so far as to say that seven out of these 10 tracks are phenomenal three of them I don't like as much. I don't think that they're bad. I just don't think that they're anything special, and that's why I can't rank the album a nine and a half or a ten because I still think that there's, you know, thirty percent of the album that's like, yeah, not not so great. But just obviously, we've talked about the first two tracks. A song like "And I Close My Eyes" this is an absolute underrated gem, and Roy Khan puts on a vocal clinic on this song. I have tried all week to sing the chorus of this song. And I can't do it because the way he bends his voice, it's like he's using a guitar string to kind of bend the sound, except he's doing it with his voice. It is incredible. And then it goes into like a silent crying, one of the most beautiful ballads you'll ever hear. And then the the title track, another like phenomenal title track in, in a slew of these things. And it kind of sounds to me like a precursor for what Ark would become you know, 10 years later or, or eight years later. The side A of this album is is flawless. I think there's a couple of tracks on the backside which are a little, you know, weaker. But side A, I would put up against anything.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely uneven. I mean, not like the first side kicks ass and the second side blows. But it's just that, like, the first side's just so good that the second, the second half of the album, I think, doesn't hold up its end of the bargain. Because they just cram the first side with such good songs. I love, I mean, parallel minds is one of those songs that I've known the longest from conception. And it's still, um, again, this opens with a really memorable riff that has those uh, like really cool keyboard chords throughout, like the background holding everything together. Um, like you said, Roy is just, this is like peak Roy con, um, from a guy who's going to like blow us away for another, you know, decade fourteen, fifteen 15 years before he kind of rides off into the sunset and then, and then like majestically returns to melt our faces off in Atlanta. Um, (laughs) But yeah, um, this is, this is good stuff. Uh, Is there anything like that you particularly enjoy from the, the second half of the album more so than,
0: yeah, two is two it? tracks in particular that definitely stand out. I think The Promiser is a fantastic song. I think that that's got a bit of a slow build. I love the drum sound there. Uh it's it's one of my favorites. And the the closing track Soliloquy is so well constructed and so beautiful. Uh, it's one of it, the bass lines are fantastic. The orchestration is fantastic. It starts out as a ballad and then just turns into like this heavy prog masterpiece. I think it's an awesome way to close the album. Those two in particular are probably my favorites on the back end.
1: Yeah, pro- I love the Promiser. Another one of those songs where just opens with a memorable riff. Like you know, you kind of under you understand like what the theme of the song musically is going to be right from the get go. Um, and yeah, I agree with you about, uh, It's uh, so, so, easy for me to say soliloquy as well. Uh, this is like a three part nine minute tune, um, kind of has this really cool slow build in the, in the middle, like really good way to end it. And I, I want to mention the, um, the bonus track black on black, which for the longest time I thought water confines was called black on black because of the misprint on the album, um, I think I even wrote "Black on Black" on the original liner notes for the cassette tape that I made. Um, Talk about
0: something that would fetch a small fortune on eBay! Your old liner notes—you should put those. Yeah, over.
1: yeah, I would just end up <laughs> buying them myself because I wouldn't want them to be sold to anyone else. But uh, it's a good. Like, I'm gonna kind of come back to this theme of the fact that Conception, their handful of bonus tracks, are really, really good songs. Like really a list material that just didn't make the cut for whatever reason. And this is another song that, um, fits the era of the time, but it's really good. Um, if you, I mean, I don't know how the hell anyone's supposed to get their hands on any of this stuff. Um, but, and I'm, I'm really, I was, God, I was hoping so much that they would eventually get this stuff onto, um, you know, so onto Spotify or, or iTunes or whatever. Um, and, I, and maybe we can ask Tor. We're going to we're gonna talk to Tor um, later in the week. Uh, maybe we could ask him where the hell all this material is and why no one can listen to it. Because it's a shame if there's people out there that have heard the new Conception al- albums and enjoyed them and can't go back and listen to this. I mean, granted, I think it's probably all on YouTube. Um, but I mean... Yeah,
0: but you'd like to get paid for it. I mean, the reality is there's so much material out there and I think with the genre just being as popular as it is and them getting back together, I, I could easily see people hearing new conception and saying, I need more of this stuff. Where can I hear the old stuff? And then having to go on YouTube to hear it. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's got to be a better way, but that's something that we can maybe find out later this week. We'll, we'll, we'll say that. Um, what, what is your favorite track on this album? Because it's, it's not, it's not an easy choice. I have to be honest with you.
1: No, I mean, it's probably just always going to be water confines until. I, they lower me into the ground.
2: Always I look one day the frame I'm mirror man's.
1: it's the song that got me into the band. It's this. it's the song that got me in the album. And it's, and for me, like for a song to just still have that effect on me after all these times, all these years, and just, I still hear it and it just pumps me up. It's just one of those songs where like, you need a little bit of a boost. You, you're, it's two 30 on a Thursday and you're getting, you're working and you've gotten in that slog and you know, you're, you're, you haven't made your, you haven't made it to your three o'clock coffee yet. Um, slap this track on and or or go to the gym and put this track on and and feel your feel the the power running through you like you're the ultimate warrior (laughs) um i i mean there's a lot of good songs to choose from parallel minds the title track itself is probably my number two silent crying is one of my favorite um ballads by any band ever um just a lot of good stuff here, but yeah, it's water, it's, it's water confines. It was always I, you, water confines.
0: <laughs> I'll say this. Um, that would probably be the first love and why it would be a little more difficult for me to get into flow. I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit when we, when we talk about flow. I'm, I'm going to choose and I close my eyes just because, as I mentioned, there were things on that track that I heard this week that I just never even appreciated having heard it. A thousand times in the past, I just fell in love with it this week. Quick little story that I think you'll appreciate. Back in the late, I guess it was probably 1999, we'll say 1998 or 1999, I was desperate to see some of these music videos that were on MTV during Headbangers Ball. And I went on eBay, and I think I even, I think you may remember this. I went on eBay. I bought a VHS cassette. And on the VHS cassette, we, I remember watching this tape in my house. It had Ronnie James Dio. It had Warlock, and it had just all this random metal stuff that I was, like, just soaking up like a teen, the teenager that I was. What you may or may not remember is one of the videos that was randomly on this VHS cassette was Roll the Fire. And I remember seeing Roy Khan with a full-length head of hair and, like, a skull cap of some sort in this video. And they're in the desert, and they're playing that's what at least my memory is i I haven't seen it in a while but i just remember this video coming on and i couldn't believe that i was watching a conception music video in my house on vhs in 1999 it was like the most surreal uh surreal thing but I, i still have the vhs i just have no way to play it so sorry for another day it's in the attic but um a video does exist for that song and it's probably worth worth playing this week just because it's it's something to behold Yep, and then, and
1: another thing too that we will definitely be posting this week is there was a um there was a, a uh what do you call it? a compilation called Power of Metal um that came out in 1994 and um there are four really decent quality live videos And they're all, uh, they're all available on YouTube. Um, the account is called Conception Grand Again. If you want to look them up, but we'll post them as well. And you get to see some pro shot, um, videos of them performing Roll the Fire and I Close My Eyes, The Promiser and Parallel Minds all from this album. So, um, we'll definitely post those because it's really cool to, to see this, this young conception from, you know, 1993. I think the, the tracks were recorded. Um, but yeah, they, uh, again, like I said, like, you know, all this stuff you can probably find not on YouTube, um, again, but it's just a, a shame. And, and yeah, make sure we post the, um, the video for roll of fire as well.
0: Yeah. It's funny that, they, so when apparently this was like a noise records, like label showcase type of thing. So gamma ray was also at that show and so was rage from Germany and they all played together and, According to the press that came out around this time, Conception was the best band of the of the three that were kind of showcased in this little um, noise uh, compilation concert type of thing that they were going on, and and the vocal and the the tracks themselves are really really cool. Uh, I definitely will. I'll post those as well for sure.
1: I'm having a hard time finding the album. Just, I'm kind of curious about what what else is on it um but i'm looking i'm just having a hard time finding it on uh from googling it um anywhere um so yeah i, I was kind of interested interested to see what other songs are on there from other bands but oh well um we carry on uh <laughs> two years later the band would release um in your multitude what are your thoughts on the uh, the third conception release it's
0: funny. This, this is an album which – this was one of the ones I, I, I got on eBay. I, I had no other way to hear it and I was dying to hear some of this material. Uh, it's, it's a departure from Parallel Minds and, and by departure, I mean it, the, the opening track Under a Morning Star kind of lulls you into here we go, this crunchy, fast-paced, um, you know, melodic power metal. Except it's the only track on the album that's in that style. The other nine tracks and even the bonus tracks, they're in a completely different style and much more akin to the flow material, in my opinion, or or a blend between Parallel Minds and Flow. Uh, So if if Under a Morning Star was like your gateway into conception, I think you're going to be thoroughly disappointed by this album which I absolutely adore. Uh, Again, I do not want to suggest that it's absolutely perfect. And I think it's another example of side A being a little bit stronger than than side B. Uh, But uh, a song like Retrospect, fantastic mix, mix, amazing verses, uh, just an amazing chorus. It has the whole package. Uh, Awesome keyboard sounds. I love that song. Uh, Sanctuary, one of their fantastic ballads with the acoustic guitars it's become a you know it's becoming like a staple of the band for these just fantastic ballads uh and then a million gods which does kick off side b uh is probably my favorite song on the album uh it's very very proggy very very catchy it's kind of like the epic song on the album There's some really, really good material on here, but uh, there was a period of time I think I would have said that this is actually better than Parallel Minds for me. I'm not going to say that. I think it's a notch below, and obviously we, we actually have to go back and rate Parallel Minds, which we'll do in a second. This to me was a very good follow-up effort, but just a tick below uh, just the classic Parallel Minds album, which again is 70% pure perfection. And and while we're there, before we even get into In your multitude, what what are you going to rate Parallel Minds? Because to me, that's like an eight point five. Uh, it's th- the 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 highest of the highs, and there's some other parts that bring it down a little bit. But it is a fantastic album from start to finish.
1: Yeah, I have it at eight point seven five for me. Um, just really good stuff, and uh, I think yeah, just some of those like lesser exciting songs kind of drag it down a little bit. But um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a great album and, and, um, you know, moving, well, what, I'm sorry. What about you? Oh, you said it already. All right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on here. A lot
0: of balls yeah. <laughs> But, but in your multitude, and I'll just kind of like lay this out there, May 3rd, 1995, it comes out just two years later. To me, I think this is probably more like a, this is probably an eight in my opinion. It, it, it goes down just a touch from, from, from parallel minds, but I really like it. I think you struggled with it, though, and, and you kind of alluded to that during the week when we were talking uh, briefly about it. Uh, wh- what does this lack for you, or th- is it just the punchiness of the prior album that you kind of craved? Wh- what's going on here for you? Yeah, it's just a little bit too much
1: mid-tempo all the way through after the first track, which I love. That's definitely my favorite song on the album, Under a Morning Star. I think that song really, really slaps, but... um. The rest of the album is just kind of sticks to that kind of middle of the road. I will say the album did grow on me towards the end of the week, but it's still probably my least favorite conception album, even though it's, I don't know. What did I give? uh, What did I give uh, the the debut album? last Seven and a half. Yeah. So this is probably just a hair underneath that. I would probably say like seven, seven or seven and a quarter. Um, I'll say seven and a quarter. Um, I will say I ended up really liking a million gods. Um, yeah, that was I probably my it. next, my next favorite song on the album. Um, some moons is also, I think a really good tune. That's um, the title track in your multitude is another good one, but I just thought that it was kind of um, some of the songs that I didn't enjoy as much were kind of on the lower end of conception songs, overall that I really enjoy so I mean it's still a very good album it's just um I don't think it, it holds up as well as the other albums and and I just think I find the last sunset to
0: just be a shade more enjoyable I I can understand that I I do think that when you hear some of this stuff live I think it will pop for you I know that definitely helped me when I heard some of this stuff in Atlanta in, in 2006 or whatever I couldn't believe how good some of this material was, and I and I don't want to say that I overlooked it. I guess I may have just underappreciated it a little bit, uh, but it, I, I think that you'll definitely uh, – 2005, I guess, uh, 2005. I, I couldn't I, – I think you're going to be very, very pleased when you hear some of this stuff um, live for the first time. And it would be less than two years later where they would come out with an album which sounds – Again, a logical extension of of, of in your multitude, but well, oh,
1: before we before we get there, um, yeah, you have just any thoughts on the the bonus material?
0: So, gravity is gravity. So the gravity is the Japanese bonus track, and then there's two extra bonus tracks were kind of included on the vinyl pressing of the album, guilt and Sundance. I don't have strong thoughts on each one individually. I'll just say that all three are quite good in their own way, and they're all very different from each other. And I wonder why they didn't make the original cut, because, again, there's a lot of material. You have to almost wonder why didn't some more of this unreleased material see the light of day when you hear bonus tracks like this? Um, All all very, very good, Guilt in particular being one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Guilt is a remix of the song Guilt, right? <laughs> that's right. That's the, true. That's true. But it album. sounds a lot. It's it sounds like a, a lot better. Yeah. yeah. It's like um. It's like an extra minute and a half. Um, yeah. And then yeah, Gravity. I think kind of fits the mold of the rest of the album. Sundance, though, I get why it didn't was on the album because it it sounds like it could be from another band. It's just, it sounds like it could be from a flamenco like a straight up flamenco band. This song is yep. so cool. Go out of your way to to listen to it on YouTube because it's a really cool example of how excellent of a guitarist Tor Aspie is, but also hearing Khan just be able to mold himself into any sort of style. And it's, it's, you wouldn't think it would work, but it's, it's what I thought it was one of the most memorable songs on the whole, in your multitude. No kidding. Experience. I just thought it was super cool. So, um, I, I think thanks to, uh, YouTube, I think I was able to find those two, um, the ones that were on the vinyl pressing, um, yeah. Guilt is just a longer version of the the track on the the album version, and but Sundance is like a real treat. Um, if you've ever heard it before, definitely give it a listen.
0: Yeah, no, 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 no question. It's um, they're 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 very good at what they do, but something happens, I guess, because less than two years later, on April first, nineteen ninety seven, Flow would come out, and for a long time, this would be the last conception release of the big four that that kind of came out during this six-year period uh and what i remember most about flow not only was the fact that the cover art is just so different from the cover art they had on the prior albums but also the fact that like a lot of people didn't i appreciate flow because they wanted it to sound much like a reversion to parallel minds and that was even in our circle i remember Pat just saying, Oh, you know, it's, this album is, is essentially not parallel minds part two. And I agree. It's nothing like parallel minds, but as time has gone on, it's actually become my favorite conception album. I love this album. And it not only has multiple songs on here that are my, some of my favorite songs by any band of all time, but the way it flows, no pun intended, intended. just fantastic. (laughs) Um, I didn't even hear that joke, so I'm just going to ignore it and just continue. No, I'm just no, going. I said, and,
1: I said, no pun intended, along yeah. with you. Oh, there you go. Right. Right. I right. <laughs> it's
0: it's uh, th- this this album is short in the sense that it's under 45 minutes in length, but there's something magical about it, and it's an and of all the conception albums. It's the one to this day that I continue to play regularly, uh, frequently. I play this album a lot, and I just. For some reason, it just puts me in a great mood. And I'll I'll get to some of the tracks in particular that I love. But what are your thoughts on this? Because again, very, very different from Parallel Minds, which to this point you've said is your best or favorite album.
1: Yeah, this is also my favorite Conception album ever. Um, And I'll tell you why. Unlike the first three albums and even the newer material, I think every song on this album is is, is very good to fantastic. There are no outlying like just okay songs like this is just one great song after another um and i think that's what that's how it makes it stand out i also think it's the best sounding of the first four uh production wise um just everything that they're doing just sounds so crisp and so clear um i love this album and it houses my all-time favorite conception song believe it or not is not uh water confines it's it's cardinal sin um which is one of the best songs any band's ever written i mean just incredible um i'm probably going to just cry um if they play this live and and i think they typically do which is great um but this song is just mind-boggling If, if there was going to be a song of the week for me, being that we're, record, we're reviewing five albums and an EP and a and a single, uh, this would be my song of the week, song of the year, song of the century. It's it's just that good. I love this song so. It much. is.
0: It, I wish that I didn't sound like I was copying you completely, but it is one of my favorite songs of all time. And when I saw them in Atlanta in two thousand and five, uh, I. This was the first song they played as part of the encore. And I don't even think at the time that I was as big of a fan of the album as I was then. But after that performance, I went back and listened to Flow and I'm like, this is, this is their best album. There is, if, if I have one track that I don't love, I would say Angel, come walk with me, probably my least favorite by a hair, but every other song is so good.
1: it's funny you should mention that track because um, that kind of reminds me of what Conception sounds like now. Yes, like it's a little bit closer to what their current sound is like. That's what I, I agree think, with you. You think of
0: there are elements here that I love, but for some reason it has almost like a new metal feel of what was going to be happening a couple of years later. You know, in, in just in the pantheon of metal, uh, I, I didn't love the vocal samples so much, but conceptually, I. I The idea is okay. It's just not my favorite. But you've got tracks on here. Uh, Gethsemane is a slow opener, which is different from the prior two albums. But it's so catchy and almost like dance-like. You just want to move her to the beat. Uh, A Virtual Love Story has this fantastic jazzy riff in the beginning with these sick keyboard patches going on in the background. Uh, flow, the title track. Again, a fantastic title track and a real preview to what Arc would be just a couple of years later. Really tight. By the way, well, like
1: this this is a song that like would have been their radio hit, I think. Oh like, yeah. This, this has late nineties like hard rock radio written all over it. Totally. I, this is this is one of those songs that I kind of forgot about and it was like, damn, this song is fan fan freaking fantastic. Love, I, love I the I
0: agree. Title track uh two more i just want to talk about the the last
1: talk about them all this album is (laughs) that good
0: would it be the same which is like kind of like the outro of this album the last track so underrated nobody talks about this this song is just absolutely fantastic and it's one of those album closers where not only is it just a good to end the album but like it leaves you wanting more i want to listen to more conception after i hear that track uh just a fantastic fantastic song and maybe my favorite conception ballad, hold on. I tried so hard to convince my wife to let this be our wedding song. And she was not having it. But to this day, whenever she hears it, she's like, this was the one you wanted to, to be the wedding song. And it was, I love that ballad. And I stand by that choice, even though I was obviously not winning that battle.
1: Yeah. And they were divorced a week later. So, <laughs> I mean,
0: no, no all, all, all good. All good.
1: Yeah. I mean, that. I could totally understand why that's such a awesome... You know, I'm glad you mentioned it, too, because the... I don't know if it's a harpsichord or whatever that, like, it has, like, this kind of medieval keyboard sound to it is so cool and it's unlike anything that Conception did or has done since.
2: I do for you. Just close your eyes and say you care. For all we ever knew I know it's true And I would teach you how to laugh and cry The world succumb to our pride To our pride You hold on, and will be forgiven just to hold on. I'll always be there for you.
1: And I think that um I think this is such a an underrated song. I also think cry is another really oh. awesome kind of on the ballad end of what conception w- was doing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, this album is just fantastic. Um, this,
0: the, when, and, when they, and, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say when I, when, and, and we'll get to that because I think it's a logical jumping off point out of nowhere. In 2005, the band would announce that they're reuniting and playing three concerts, one of which happened to be in Atlanta at Prague Power. And I like – my head exploded because they had done nothing for nearly a decade. And here they are playing this festival. I could not believe it. And they wound up playing – I think it was five or seven tracks off of Flow – I couldn't believe. Yeah, I'm looking it
1: because, at the set list now, it's and I'm. I, ridiculous. I kind of want to. I kind of want a silent cry into. The, yeah, it's into it
0: my is <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, like it is. It is just so good. And at the time, I don't even think I appreciated it as much because again, this album wasn't as. It popped for me at that show, and since then, it just. I mean, my mind is blown. This album is a nine point five for me it is damn near perfect and about as good as you're going to get from any band or anything that was being released at this time. It was, it's just damn near perfect.
1: Yeah. I, I, I have it at a, at a 9.5 as well. I just, I love it all, all the way through. And the bonus track hand on heart is one of Fantastic. my conception songs. And it's a, it's a bonus track. And I'm going to tell you something. I was thinking about this and I was really hoping I would remember to mention it because this is how my, like OCD brain works. I always loved that this was one of those albums where they put the bonus track second to last instead of last because they felt like the last song should be the last song, not the Which bonus. Which makes track. sense. And it reminds me of um, the Japanese version of better than raw by Halloween. They put, um, uh, uh, Midnight Sun was the last song and they kept it as the last song and they put the bonus track before the last song. And I think I've even seen Sonata Artica do it where it was like two songs before the last track. And I like that thought is put into how the extra track is going to flow with the rest of the album. Again, no pun intended. Um, I just thought that was so cool because, like, as Hand, in, hand on Heart would be a, a fine last track, but I think would it be the same? Is the better option for your last track on flow. So, I that's just a little nerdy thing about my how my brain works, and I, I appreciate stuff like that.
0: I think it lends itself well to again, like how 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 the listener is supposed to listen to an album, and I think that the intro is obviously very very important, the first couple of tracks, and how it ends, and how you feel when the album is over. So, if you have just this random bonus track, which either a isn't as good or B, doesn't fit with the motif of the rest of the album, it makes sense to kind of bury it you know, 95% of the way towards the end, but to end the way that the album was meant to be heard. Well done by all the bands that do that. I think that there's definitely something to that approach.
1: I might have even pushed it back a little bit further and had it so that Hold On, Cardinal Sin, and Would It Be The Same would be your last three songs. And then maybe, because like, I don't know. It's just interesting that like, depending on, which pressing the album you got? You're, you're having, you're experiencing the album differently.
0: Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. Uh, the band would play those series of shows in 2005 or in and around there, and then again, the band would go dormant again, uh, seemingly in perpetuity. I, I don't think there was any indication that this band was getting back together. Roy would leave Camelot. Uh, Tor would kind of, I think, go more the production route and doing other things in the music realm, but not really releasing albums. You know, and you then know, all before, of
1: a- before we before we get there though, like yeah. what what happened? Like, why did Conception break up after Flow? I mean, they they released know. their arguably their best album, and then like Wikipedia says that the band broke up after Con left for Camelot. I always thought that Conception broke up and, and then Camelot just sniped him because he was yeah. available. And I'm not one to really take what I read on Wikipedia too seriously. So I'm very curious, um, you know, because Khan would go to to Camelot and um, Tor, Tor would start working with arc, which we talked about, um, you know, full length. And, and again, with um, John Macaluso, um, it just seems so odd that this band was kind of like riding this wave of, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's rose colored glasses. Maybe in 1997, nobody gave a shit about a Norwegian, you know, progressive power metal band releasing their best album. Um, But yeah, I mean, the fact that they wouldn't have any studio material for another 20 years is just
2: kind of mind blowing
0: And so what happens is in the spring of 2018, there's this video, or I should say a photograph that kind of, surfaces where apparently in jofik uh norway which is where the band is from there's like a picture of like khan and the rest of the guys either like out in the snow together or something and there's like rumors that this the conception is kind of reuniting or getting back together and then i also think i read somewhere that people walked by this a studio and heard conception songs being played live and sure enough in short order uh as luck would have it, the band was getting back together and they released an EP uh, later that year called My Dark Symphony. It came out November 23rd of 2018. It would kind of be a precursor to a full-length album which would come out a year and a half later. And and I just remember getting My Dark Symphony and being blown away because I didn't know what it was going to sound like. Was it going to sound like the old material? Was it going to be an extension of flow? And in my opinion, that really is the answer. It's kind of where flow left off 20 years earlier uh it's it's six tracks it has an intro track and then five like we'll call them like meaty regular tracks on here two or three of which are just absolute standout tracks grand again which has been stuck in my head all week long i keep singing this track to myself because it's just like unbelievably catchy And Quite All Right, which when I first heard it was the track that kind of blew me away when I first heard the EP. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Um, you know, I, I think that it's one of those EPs that has grown on me with time. I think that when I first heard it, I liked it. And now I really, really like it. Those two tracks, though, in, in particular, stand out.
1: Yeah. Um, what would you Grand again, and, and which one? And Quite All Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, great choices. Um, I, I think the title track was shocking right conception made another great title track um yeah the, the this is the longest track on the ep i i think this is a really just i mean the title is perfect it's a dark symphony like it's yes. just um it's and it's just it really felt like the band had not had just you know, you know that friend that you don't talk to for years, and then you just pick up like nothing's ever like no times passed. That's this album or the CP. Yeah. Like it was just like we're back and we're just you know. It, it, I think that a lot of different aspects of the band's first four albums are kind of rolled into into one here, and then I just think that it's a little bit has a little bit more of a darkness to it than the especially flow. I feel like flow is probably their lightest sounding of the four albums and almost th- th- upbeat
0: in th- and like happy. Yeah. yeah. And
1: this is not that like, this is, no. this has more of a kind of down tuned, like, you know, kind of a a sa- like a sadness to it. And almost, even the cover though.
0: art is like kind of dark and, and almost like horror ish type of thing going on. It's, it's, it's different. And, and, and quite frankly, I think that the same can be said for state of deception, their most recent album. Uh, it was in my top, uh, 50 for, for 2020. It came out on April 3rd. I just remember thinking, it, it's funny, my least favorite conception song is on this album and it actually is the first full-length track of Raven and Pigs. I simply do not like this song. I have not understood... Why they put this as the first track on the album? And when I listen to it, I keep saying, to, I, I remember saying to myself, "What did I just buy? Why? Why is this? Why is this album start this way?" And then the rest of the album is like really, really good. I think there's some good tracks and some really, really great tracks on here. Uh, but that that first track, I just, I, I don't, I don't understand it. And I think it's interesting because I don't know that they played it live. It could be wrong, but it's almost like not it's it's not what i was expecting on 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 their on their most recent release it is not a perfect album but it's highly enjoyable by the blues i think is one of the best songs of the modern conception era i think waywardly broken is also beautiful You know, those are two that particularly stand out. I think that the a nice guest spot from Elise Reed from Amaranth on The Mansion, which is another kind of darker, quirkier tune, uh, good stuff. And, and just kind of picks up where the band left off. And I know for a fact that they are recording and uh, they are in the process of, of putting out another album, which I think will be out either later this year or possibly next year, depending on uh, how things go. What were your thoughts on, on My Dark Symphony? How did, how did it kind of stand the test of time for you? The EP or the full length? The full length, the full length. Oh yeah. State of deception. Deception, I misspoke state of deception. Um, I liked it a lot. Um,
1: I, it's not, it's not as to me, it doesn't stand up to flow or parallel minds, but I like it better than last sunset and in your multitude. So that's where I would place it in my, you know, uh, all time, uh, conception albums. Um, I think waywardly broken or anybody out there would yeah. be my two favorites. Um, but I was thinking about, and we're going to talk about our, our dream set list in a little bit. And I was thinking about the mansion. It didn't make my dream set list, but I'll tell you this. If they got, um, um, the lead singer from seven Spires, um, Adrian Cohen to come out and sing the song with Roy Kahn. I would gladly remove one of the songs on my list and replace it with the mansion because I and think remember
0: that, she, that she, that he appeared on the last Spires album. So like there is a connection there. there.
1: And, and, and you know, it's funny because when the, um, when the lineup was originally announced for prog power, I was saying to myself, they should invite Elise to prog power Because she does guest spots on Conception, uh, Arion—not Arion, Arion, but Arion—Rhapsody's most recent album with uh, Luca and Fabio. So she can just come out for every band and do her guest spot, and then just hang out in the courtyard with us the rest of the night. I I, I like it.
0: I like Um, it. It's it's go it's going to be interesting, and I look forward to talking about the set list. But give me a number. What, what, what for me? This is a seven point five. It's a solid album. I liked it a lot. I look forward to hearing some of this stuff live, and and I have some of this stuff in in my perfect set list, if you will. I was wondering if you if you have a number for it.
1: Yeah, I, I give it a, an eight point um, nice. just really good stuff. Um, it. I'm excited for the next album and I know that they are releasing, they're re-releasing this album later this year, um, with a deluxe, uh, I think like a deluxe bonus disc and they've been dropping the, some of the tracks from it one at a time. Um, they have, uh, some live versions of some songs and, um, some re-recordings of some songs. I know they re-recorded roll the fire and, There's live versions of Gethsemane, a virtual love story. Um, I think Cry is also live. Yes, Cry is live. Gethsemane is live. Um, Roll the Fire is re-recorded. Virtual love story is live. And then there's a new song called Monument in Time, which uh, just came out um, about six weeks ago. And that's a really good tune as well. So um, keep an eye out for that. that that's just going to be something bands I th- think have been doing in more recent years is kind of re-releasing an album a year or two after it's released. I know um Beyond the Black is one of those bands that has done that with their last few releases, but just re-releasing an album with some extra content um in case maybe you didn't get the album initially and now you want to get like a deluxe edition or maybe you just want to I tend to just go on iTunes and download the new songs I don't have and add them to my collection. Um, and I've just been purchasing these tracks as they've been released one at a time. Um, kind of cool way to get us amped up for prog powers, hearing them do some of these songs from uh, the flow album um, and roll the fire uh, with the current, I mean, the current lineup is the same fricking band that they've always been. But um <laughs> know you know, in, you know uh, of the age that they're actually at now so um i i've gone from being mildly excited to seeing this band at Prague power to being really friggin' amped for it so
0: mission accomplished like
1: earlier mission accomplished right let
0: let us uh, i'll let you do <clears> the honors uh as we as we roll out of here and, and and get to next week what uh what does your set list look like and and this is to, just so people understand the parameters they're going to play probably for about 90 minutes. So we made it about 80 minutes of music. You're going to have obviously a little brace in between, obviously engagement with the crowd, you know, as, as, as you see at all concerts, give me your 80 minute music. I heard that. Play. I heard
1: Roy Kahn's going to take five minutes to roast all the current members of Camelot. So that ought to be good.
0: <laughs> uh, I look forward to that. I, I, maybe I should have put on less music and more of that, but I, I want to hear what your set list sounds like.
1: Sure. Um, it ended up being uh, no surprising, not surprising based on what we've talked about. It ended up being pretty heavy uh, with flow material. Um, and I, I wanted to open it up with Gethsemane. I think it's an awesome first track on flow. And I think it would make for a cool, cool way to open the show where it's not like blowing your socks off immediately with like, uh, with like a Water Confines or a Cardinal Sin type song um, kind of eases you in um, go, moves on to Roll the Fire um, I, threw on, I threw on Hand on Heart the bonus track from Flow as uh, the third song Just nice. I just really like that song I have no confidence that it will be played or even considered but that's what <laughs> I would put um, I, my one and only track from uh, Last Sunset um, is next War of Hate um, followed by uh, Waywardly Broken from the, the newest album, uh, followed by um, two tracks from Flow that actually are ba- are back to back on the album Flow, and it followed by Cry.
0: Ooh, um, I like that.
1: Followed by um, one of my two tracks from In Your Multitude, A Million Gods. Uh, fo- then My Dark Symphony, which is the title track from the EP, uh, Hold On from Flow. Ooh, okay. Then, um, Anybody out there from State of Deception, then another um, two tracks that follow each other on the album, Silent Crying and Parallel Minds. And then for my three songs for the encore, I've chosen Under a Morning Star, Water Confines, and Cardinal Sin.
0: Okay. Wow. (laughs) I I like it. And we have, I think probably half of this is is overlap, although I think the order is a little bit different. And I want to give one caveat. I wanted to hit all the albums – I wanted a mix between the heavy and the and the mid-paced and the ballads, and believe it or not, some of my favorite songs like "Hold On" are so perfect. I did not want to hear it live. I thought it was almost going to tarnish it. So even though I love the song, I purposely didn't put it on there. Although I easily could have. So, all right, strap in. Here we go. I, this is uh, this is my perfect set list. And if it comes anything close to this, I will. Uh, I will lose my mind. I actually have them opening with "Under a Morning Star." I love that like kind of eclectic keyboard patchy intro that they have with like the fake drums, and I feel like that in surround sound would just be really, really sick to hear to open the show. I did have
1: this as as the first song at at one point while I was constructing. There you go.
0: But then I decided I I
1: wanted to save it to the end, so it got moved.
0: I I respect that. I have them going into Gethsemane, so back-to-back album openers to start the show, which I thought was a nice twist. I have them going into Quite All Right from uh, the the EP, Retrospect, and By the Blues, and then we get into some of the older stuff. We go The Promiser, Would It Be the Same, Sanctuary, which even though it's short, I just think that hearing that acoustic guitar live would be – Out of This World. And then, And I Close My Eyes, Silent Crying, two songs that appear back-to-back on on the album, played back-to-back in the set. Waywardly Broken, A Million Gods, and you end the set with Flow before the first of two encores. I think Flow is a really, really good way to end the first set. You go into the second set, they come back out on stage with Grand Again, the last sunset, which I thought was a kind of a nice homage, if you will, to the, to the first album and have it as part of the encore just because, uh, it's the only track I choose from the album. They end it with water confines and then they come back out. They do cardinal sin and roll the fire. They walk off the stage and I'm very, very happy.
1: Well done. I, I would be thrilled to hear either one of those <laughs> set lists, honestly. And it just goes to show you that like, I just don't think you can go wrong. I mean, I think pretty much anything they play is going to be great. This is just, I think for us, the, the upper, upper echelon of, of a really high end band. Um, but yeah, I, I I hope that we do more stuff like this. I know we've talked about, um, doing that, but it's always fun for me. I'm such a sucker for a playlist or, or a set list or whatever. So, um, maybe we'll do
0: one more before, uh, before prog power, maybe for a band that I feel like I need to be more into. And, uh, for whatever reason either hasn't clicked or maybe a band i just need to revisit but we'll i actually we'll have something bridge. in mind um so we can talk about that in, in the future but uh sounds good uh well with that we put a bow on conception something i am very much looking forward to seeing now in less than three months time a couple of brief brief news bit items which i think are worth mentioning uh, you go back in the archives, you can hear our discussion of Mercy Falls from 7th Wonder. 7th Wonder is finally releasing an album, uh, follow-up to Tiara from 2018. They are coming up with an album called The Testament. It is due out on June 10th on Frontiers. That is a must-buy. I Without even hearing a note, I obviously am looking forward to that. And uh, in tour news... Uh, Sabaton and Epica are going out on a full-scale North American tour, which I found, found interesting because Epica has done so many U.S. tours and successful tours at that. This is kind of a big deal because both of these bands playing together, they're playing some rather big venues. It starts September 15th out in Seattle and ends October 23rd in New York uh, City's Hammerstein Ballroom. And that is a big venue. That holds about four. 4,000, maybe 4,500 people. And, and by way of perspective, I saw Iron Maiden do a run of shows there uh, probably about 20 years ago. So, like, that's a big deal. And I, I hope this tour does very, very well because the next step would obviously be much, much bigger into like small arenas at that point, which is fascinating to me.
1: Uh, can you imagine seeing epica open for sabaton at like ubs arena or uh madison
0: square garden there's not that many places to go that are or, much or hell than that, the
1: even even nassau coliseum i mean
0: oh that'd i would, be pretty I, would sweet. I would uh i would not i would not complain at all so uh i plan that's... on
1: making my way down to new york um i mean i i was planning on being there anyway because we're going to see iron maiden speaking of which and and within mm-hmm. temptation i mean what a combo that is. Um is that before that's before uh, Epica and Sabaton, I believe. So um it's four days prior. So it looks like I may be uh making a little extended stay at your place. So
0: You're more than welcome. Uh we'll have to book our in the two shows. i look forward to it uh and now i think i actually have to pick an album for next week because i've been so consumed by by conception that i that i i had to pick something i'm I'm ready
1: to listen to another band i mean as much as i've enjoyed this like i think i it was it's bordered on overkill so i'm uh i'm ready to uh kind of move along but um funny you mentioned that we're not done we're not done talking about conception though um we no we're gonna be talking we're gonna have an interview with tor osby dropping um later in the week um we're hoping friday maybe late thursday early friday um so keep uh keep an eye out for that but um clearly we had questions (laughs) about this band that we weren't able to answer so hopefully he'll be able to fill in some of those blanks for us
0: totally totally agree Uh, I, I, I I was oscillating between two albums for next week and, and you, you mentioned the word overkill. We have requests for them, but we're not doing them this week. I'm sorry to disappoint this week. We're going to go back and we're going to do a band that we have mentioned one or two times uh, on the podcast, but I don't believe it's a band you've really heard, uh, or, or given any really like thought to, and it's a band going all the way back to 1991, and that's Living in, Hysteria, uh, "Living in Hysteria by Heaven's Gate. Uh, it's a band we've talked about in the past very, very briefly. Uh, Sasha Pat's first band, if you will, uh, he's on guitar, at least that's my understanding. Nero does a, a bit of a piano solo on one of these tracks. And this was really my only exposure to the band. I, I admittedly don't know very, very much by, by Heaven's Gate. But I, I, I tend to think that this is something you're really going to enjoy, that kind of late 80s, early 90s German power metal that you that you obviously like so much with, with Halloween. I, I think you're going to enjoy this one. So we're going to go back to 1991 next week and we're going to do some Heaven's Gate.
1: Cool. Um, yeah, I actually do have that album, um, but I'm not super familiar with it. Um, so it'll be interesting to give that. Oh listen um cuz nice. I know that that's one of those just one of those bands that's been around for a long time. Um I don't know if they still exist. Um the song I'm most <laughs> familiar with is their cover of Halloween's a little time from the Keepers of Jericho uh tribute album. Uh so yeah, um this is the same guy who sang for Iron Savior with um Kai Hansen or am I confusing?
0: No, that's uh, that's Pete Slick, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure I'm butchering okay. his name. This the singer for this band has actually been on a lot of stuff, and he's he does a lot of background vocals on stuff. His name is Thomas Recky. We'll get into his career, uh, I'm sure, when we when we you know kind of get into this stuff next week. But uh, he's been on a lot. If you look at his like album credits, he's usually in like the backup choir for like a lot of stuff. You just don't hear him out front and center. But on, on this, you'll you'll definitely I think appreciate the vocals and 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 what this band is all about. It's kind of a nice segue into uh into that scene and, and to that band you may you may like this so much I, I have a feeling you might go check out some of their other material as well and i'm certainly over to, overdue for that um that as well but uh without any further delay let's uh let's put a bow on it there i look forward to talking heaven's gate next week we have our album uh request for april picked out and ready to go i'll give you a sneak peek at this I listened to the first two tracks off the album just in my car yesterday. I think we may have overlooked something. I'll leave it there. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna be. I think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised when you give it a listen. So that that being said, a little a little taste of something that we may have missed uh, over the years. So uh, puts a bow on conception until uh, later in the week. Living in hysteria next week, and I hope you enjoy the week. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit, um, and I'm glad that we were able to get a follow-up interview, uh, much the same we did with, uh, Shadow Gallery, which I think to me, I think that's, that was the episode that, uh, made me realize that we might have something here with this podcast game.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny that that really did help kind of cement us and put us on the map. And to be honest with you, uh, there are unanswered questions. So I, I think get getting some of these little loose ends tied up will be very, very nice. And we'll kind of walk through the, uh, the history of the band, much like we did, um, much like we did with Gary back, uh, you know, I guess over a year ago now. So, or, or something like that. So if a fan of shadow Gallery, go check them out in the archives. We'll, we'll do something very similar, um, later in the week,
1: but take it easy. Also one other
0: thing too. Yeah.
1: Let's, uh, briefly discuss, um, when we reconvene for our next episode. um, As of right now, we do not know who is replacing Brothers of Metal at Prog Power. Um, Unfortunately, Brothers of Metal is uh, not going to be able to play. Um, Glenn Harveston is going to announce tonight uh, who the replacement is, so we'll know by the time next time we record. So we'll talk about that uh, briefly as well. And if it's a band that either one of us aren't familiar with, maybe it's something we should uh, cover before we head over to Atlanta. Um, and I know personally, there's at least one, one or two other bands that are playing in Atlanta that we might want to talk about before, uh, before the festival hits in early June. So, um, definitely some stuff rattling around in the old
0: noggin. So, uh, I'll keep you posted on all that. L- looking forward to it. Uh, I trust it'll be, uh, an interesting replacement and we will, uh, we'll go from there. Enjoy the week, bud. I will talk to you soon.
1: All right. Take care, buddy.